Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys go over some key questions to ask while vetting your real estate agents, all while enjoying Larceny Small Batch Burger. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. Obviously, we have to address the elephant in the room. There's only two of us here today. That's because uh, Jameson wanted to go gallivanting and have a have a good time with his family. Where where did he go? Uh, Jurassic Park or some shit? Yeah, right? like, I don't know. It looked really nice. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm I'm not feeling sorry for you right now. Right? No, I think he's in Costa Rica. Ooh, yeah, nice. Yeah, so I mean, that's so I'm I'm doing um again I, I'm. I'm training for that that half marathon, and yes. I have a a treadmill that has video, and my trainer in the video right now. I'm doing a series. It's actually in Costa Rica. That's cool. Hey, so yeah, I'm, I'm spiritually, <laughs> I mean, on video, I'm there for an hour. But I wish I was in real life. That's awesome. Take it it looks beautiful down. Oh, I've yeah. never been 100%. other other than that video, but mm-hmm. it looks. I've I've had some friends. I have a friend that w- that's from there, and then some friends that spend a lot of time there. Okay. And oh man, they. They say it's beautiful there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, what is it? It's 32 degrees here today. So yeah. sunny and sunny. Wearing a sweater. Too. I'm a, I, I could do that. No, it says 29. We dropped a degree. Well, we lost that's a degree. also in, in here, which is yeah. an icebox. But we do our best. Um, so we're going to try and keep it as entertaining as possible for you guys on today's show. Um, today, our topic that we're going to discuss is going to be vetting your agent. Basically, how to find a good real estate agent because what we see a lot of, especially with me, you know, pursuing the TikTok, you pursuing the TikTok, a lot of people don't like real estate agents because they don't, they think that we don't do anything or, or we're just there for the money. Quick side note, side story. Um, buddy of mine and I, we were in winter park, uh, for the winter park jazz fest. We were having a great time. Um, there was, uh, some people sent to a side of us and it was during the I think it was the, the coming out of the recession, it was around that time. And I struck, struck up a conversation with, with these folks next to us and they asked what we did. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real estate agent. And she said, oh, so you're an ambulance chaser. And I was like, ow, that hurts. Or the other one was that you, you hope, you wish, you hope for people to get divorced. Right. You know, yeah, and, and you know, that, that's just it. Ambulance mm-hmm. chaser. We, we, we're, I, at least I'm, we're not that, um, Again, I base my business on um, a need, and yeah. if there's a need, I want to fill. Exactly, yeah. and that's why we're today we're going to talk about questions to ask real estate agents because a lot of people now, their experience is they're looking for homes, they go on Zillow, they go on Redfin, and they think that just because Zillow or Redfin pushes these agents to the top that these are going to be their best agents, right? Not a lot of yeah. people are aware that these companies just have agents on retainer, basically. They pay them a salary, and when you click on that agent, it's that agent's job to just start the transaction for you. And when you think about it, that's not really, you know, going to give you the best experience. Right. Because now it's just a shotgun effect and the agent goes, okay, this is just another client. Right. Versus taking the time, looking online, talking, asking the right questions. And um, and again, not every agent. Yes, right? correct. I mean, there's there's some red fit agents I know personally. They've been in the business for a very long time. They're great. But the majority of the companies that do have salaried if you will a real estate agent uh they they have a quota to fill yep. and um they they get bonused so it's going to be mm-hmm. let's let's pitch what the model is let's rush through this and let's get it done yeah right absolutely absolutely um so today's bourbon um and, and guys please please be nice to us about it we don't yes please let, let's let's talk about one thing <laughs> 
the the stats guy is not here. Yeah, we don't have our stat guy today. So it's Jameson is a whiz. I don't understand. We were talking about this before the podcast, how he just retains information yep. as soon as he reads it. Yep. And I, I think Charlie and I are the same way. I, I'll read a book and yeah, I probably should read it again. <laughs> Go through three lines. Right. right. Wait a second. So, but again, this is a bourbon that I've had in the past. Um, and I, we, we, we thought we'd switch it up this time around. Yeah. We've been bringing a lot of specialty bottles in, bottles that you may or may not find, mm-hmm. higher end bottles. Um, to me, I haven't had Larceny in quite some time, but it's a it's a good it's a good bottle, readily available. You can find it pretty much at any liquor store, and depending on the liquor store, you'll you'll pick it up for anywhere from twenty bucks to thirty dollars. Yeah, Great price for the price. I think this is really good good bourbon. Yeah, and I mean that's honestly the whole the whole reason we picked it for this episode, like you said, is because we want you guys to be able to go out and try the bourbons that that we're trying. But then also for people who don't drink bourbon regularly. We're good. we're gonna see if this will be a great one for them to start with, right? And again, I haven't had it for a while, so maybe I changed my opinion. I'm like, you know what, guys, I, I changed my mind. This is garbage. Right? Well, I doubt it. I mean, it, we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll go with it. it. I'm real interested specifically because, again, this it has it has won awards. It has it has a tried and true past, right? So just to kind of give you guys a little bit of background uh, information on Larceny, um, the distillery that it comes from uh, is actually called Heaven Hill Distillery. And they're the largest independent, family-owned and operated whiskey distillery in the country. Um, and I will say, much like a lot of the bourbons that we've tried, this one has a pretty cool backstory as to how it got started. So, Oscar, you wanna you wanna divulge into that a little so, bit? So, Fitzgerald's John Fitzgerald's was his name. He was um, a bond agent. So he would he had access and keys to all these rick houses, and he would steal sips. He would just go in there and hey, you know, he would try all the nice nice barrels and he got to a point where he was stealing jugs of it and he would take it home and and drink it um so that's that's the the folklore behind um his his liquor and they found that the the barrels that he did have were light and very tasty um later on uh, mr pappy van winkle bought him out and the man himself right yep the man himself bought his liquor Kept the backstory, uh, so old Fitzgerald, yeah, and um, larceny is the backstory of 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 old Fitzgerald and all that stuff. Um, awesome. And if you haven't seen um, the series Heist on Netflix, go check that out. There's a awesome episode about Pappy Van Winkle and basically how Pappy became Pappy, why it became such this coveted bourbon. Right, right. Um, but just to touch on uh, the bourbon that we are drinking today, larceny, it is going to be small batch. 92 so, proof. Yep, 92 proof. So it is going to be a little bit a little bit lower than what we have been have been enjoying, but again, this is a all-around bourbon, something that people sh- should be able to drink, just go and grab it off the shelf, right? Um and we say that, but it's hard to get into bourbon. It is. You know, if you if you haven't really tried it, if you haven't, you know, really indulged in it and tried tried the different flavors, you may not like it, right? Um but what's really cool about Larceny is they're what's called a weeded bourbon so most bourbons are going to use a combination of uh, barley and rye but what larceny does is they use more of a combination of barley and wheat and the reason that they do that is because it actually takes a little bit more bite out of the bourbon the wheat is going to be a little bit softer of a flavor um, and softer of a kick so it's not that that punch right right when you take the first sip um, and what's really cool about that is, you know, you can claim the most weeded, weeded, whatever, but 
most bourbons that we see actually have 70% corn, 16% wheat, and 14% malted barley. Where Larceny, they're going to have 68% corn, 20% wheat, and 12% malted barley. And percentage-wise, I believe I read it has 25% more wheat than weeded yes. bourbons. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so that's going to add to that smoothness, smoothness a little bit better and a little bit more. Um, another interesting fact, and I didn't really, I didn't actually know this, uh, but it's pretty common, is in Kentucky, they have Kentucky limestone water. And that is actually what they ferment um, all those grains in. And the reason that they do that is actually because the limestone water pulls out more iron mm. from the bourbon or, or from the, the wheat um, and, the, and the barley and all the grain. And what they found is iron, having more iron in bourbon, actually gives it more of a tingy taste, like more of that metal, metallic taste, obviously because it's iron, but it doesn't mix well with all the other flavor profiles. Correct. Mm. And again, we'll, we go back to beginner yep. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I know. I don't know if we're going to wait till uh, J uh, Jameson comes back for our backstory of how we got into bourbon, but... Now you it's know, it's he, hard. He chose to go to Christian. You could give it. To it's him. it's <laughs> hard to really get into bourbons. There's there's people like man. It's just it's fire. It tastes ah. I don't I don't taste anything. In all reality, guys, um, I got into bourbon seriously into bourbon about eight years ago, seven eight years ago, mm -hmm. and the last maybe three to four years, I'm actually able to taste yes anything. And it's not like oh this tastes great bananas. No, there's hints and aromas. That's how I kind of explain mm -hmm. it and. It takes a while, and you know you do enjoy it. People I mean, are like, look up the people the think, oh, wheels. you're, you're, yeah, that there's flavor wheels, um, and it starts with the grain. Uh, what is the 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 main flavor you 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 taste, and then it branches out to what some of the options are. If it's earthy, you know, leather, tobacco, you know, which way does it yeah, does it go? So it, it kind of goes out, 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 and you're like, okay, now I understand this bourbon. So that's that's a good tool to have. And it, you, you tend to really like bourbon. There's people I was like, oh, they're just pretending to like bourbon. Mm -hmm. No, you get to enjoy it, even yeah. the burn. It, I mean, you really it's, do. It's the same it's like thing everything. everything. It, that's, why, that's why the term acquired taste yes. is the thing. Is because if you want to like it, you will get through that burn. You will get through that punch. Um, and some, some other cool facts about uh, this, this bourbon here with Larceny that I, I thought was pretty cool is they store their barrels in open-air rickhouses, mm. right? So what that does is as they're distilling, and, and most of the time they distill their barrels between six to 12 years. So, and, and I'll, I'll say why that's important here in a second. But what that means with open air storage is that as the seasons pass, the barrels are being affected by those drastic changes in temperatures and humidities. So what that actually does is it opens up the, the barrel, the, the wood, the oak, uh, whatever you know the, the wood that they're using is, and it allows more of that flavor to seep into sure. the bourbon. So what's cool about how they pick um, the the distillers, how they pick the the bourbon to use for this, is they actually have six different rickhouses, all with these open airs, all being aged six to twelve years. So what they do is they go around and they select fifty five different tastes um, from six different sites, right? So fifty five rickhouses from six different sites. And then they blend all of them together. So basically what that means is you have some of their bourbon that's sitting in high humidity, some that's in low humidity, some that gets rain more, some that do doesn't get as much rain. So you have a lot of differences 
to kind of play with. So I'm really excited to see what they did with that because looking at the flavor profile online, it says that it's like a smooth back end, supposed to be vanilla, caramel, uh, toffee, maybe. Mm. So I'm excited to see where this flavor goes. Yeah, and again, the price, don't let the price fool you. It's it's a, it, mm-hmm. it's a decent bourbon. It well, really that's is. a great note too, is a lot of the time people will go, oh, this wasn't 50 plus dollars. It must be a, a crappy bourbon. Right. No, man. It's just when you know what you're doing, you can make a good bourbon. It's like the wine. Price. There's right? some great wines that are anywhere from six to $10. I, I got a buddy that was in was in the army. He spent, I think it was three three or four years in Italy. And he straight up told me, he's like, man, I've had bottles of wine that are $11 that destroy anything that's 60, 100 plus. Right. You know, it, it, it's, don't go buy money, people. Yeah. Try it for yourself. Zarelli's sommelier said, what's a good bottle of wine? It's what's good for your palate. It's mm-hmm. what your palate says it's good. Mm-hmm. And again, just like just like we talk about real estate, whatever's good for you is, is what's good for you, right? Don't try good and- For the goose more. is good for the gander. Oh, I like it. All right. I like it. <laughs> let's try this bird. Yeah, let's go ahead. Cheers. Cheers. Since it is lighter in in alcohol, the nose is very prominent, and you can smell a little bit more than just the alcohol. I'm smelling a fruity banana kind of beat. I was going to say yeah. sweet, much sweet. Yeah. For sure. I can definitely see where they get the toffee in the description. Yeah. It coats well. I mean, it, the, obviously... The, the fire we've been drinking, this this is a lot lighter. <laughs> yes. And, it, and it's funny how significant that difference is. That difference is in that in that burn, in that punch. And again, $20, don't let that fool you because it drinks well so yes. far. Um, it's not like we went and grabbed some bottom shelf garbage that yes. it's going to burn. And that's all you taste. And then, mm. you know, you could taste that alcoholy. I'm going to have a hangover here in yes. two minutes. Mm. Yeah, none of that. I mean, it's, no. it's, a, it's a decent bourbon for the price. Yeah. And in all honesty, to its credit, as a as a starter bourbon, the sweetness that this has, I feel like, would be a phenomenal way for people to step into it because, naturally, we're tailored towards those sweeter flavors. So a lot of the time, when people get those bourbons that are distilled longer or uncut, unfiltered, and they actually taste more of the the leather, the wood, they go, I don't like this. It tastes dirty. Right. This one, it is. It it's. It's sweet. It's yeah. not like sugar. Oh, it's super sweet. Mm-hmm. No, it's a it's it's a sweeter. It builds into a sweeter profile of flavor. Yep. It, toffee, caramel. Yep. If you think and you, how it smells, that's how it's gonna taste. And it bourbon. definitely, I can definitely tell the wheat difference mm-hmm. for sure because it's really not that punchy. Even on the tongue, it kind of kind of gets on the tongue, but then spreads ac- around the mouth rather than it just kind of hitting. And embracing your entire in, entire mouth. Well, and, and some bourbons have that kind of sour, like sour mash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it's. I don't want to say it's sour like a lemon, but it's kind of like bitter. Yeah, it has that bitter. This yeah. doesn't have it. No, not at all. Smooth mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Definitely, definitely a good a good one for that for that starter person. Um, but again, that's that's just first. You know, let's get into the conversation, sit right. through, and we'll, and we'll, we'll see. We'll see talk about the bourbon later. Yeah, cool story though. I mean. I, I knew it had something to do with uh, hence the name Larceny. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I didn't I didn't know it was uh, Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, I will say. And that, again, Heaven Hill bought him in '99. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and he- Heaven's Hill has their own has their own bourbon that they put out, small batch, all that kind of stuff too. So that's something that's always interesting for me. Um, and we've talked about it previously is how you have a lot of main distilleries that 
then the actual companies do their own thing with it, like having 55 different sites and picking six different, you know, six different locations from those 55 different places. Cool book to read, Pappy Land. Pappy it, Land. Yeah, okay. it gives uh, the story of, uh, um, oh, uh, oh, Julian. Okay. And uh, he, he talks about how bourbon, it, it goes through the, the process of how bourbon was almost gone. Nobody wanted to drink it, and then came back into mainstream and now it's all this i mean you could buy bourbon super cheap mm -hmm. back in the day as a matter of fact a quick story um some when they bought when pappy got bought out uh the second time i believe they they shipped out a bunch of pappy van winkle out to canada really? to, to be blended with crown royal oh, so Jesus. in the 90s you imagine that in the 90s if you were drinking <laughs> crown there's a good possibility we're drinking Pappy Van Winkle. That's incredible. It's in it's in the book, um, and yes, uh, stuff like that. The bond effect. It has yeah. nothing to do with the barrel and bond like we know yeah. uh, about bourbon. It, it has to do with James Bond. Yep. In the '70s, nobody wanted to drink bourbon because because James Bond was on the scene and he was drinking vodka. Yeah. Oh. And it, 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 it was clear spirits back then. Well, interesting interesting fact around uh, that on uh, the James Bond thing. Do you know why he drank it shaken and not stirred? Why? So the story goes that because he was a spy, when you shake the the alcohol, it actually tends for it to sit, separate a little bit more, and you have the water that sits at the top versus, um, it was shaken, not stirred, yeah, versus when you stir it, sorry guys, ADHD, when you stir it, it actually mixes. So the whole point of that was he would have his shaken because the water sat on top, and as his cohort was getting drunk, he was sipping more on water. Really? So it didn't affect him as much. There you have it. Right? I, when I read that, I was like, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. Never would have thought about it. Right. But also, just an amazing tidbit as to how, you know, pop culture can affect something as, as well-known as, as bourbon. bourbon. Yes. So um, the, the, the generation in the 70s didn't want to be like their father. My dad drinks bourbon. I don't want to drink bourbon. I want to be cool. James Bond comes on the scene. He's drinking martinis. He's drinking vodka. So vodka was prominent back then. Mm -hmm. So nobody drank bourbon, and they were, they were, they had a bunch of bourbon, you know, sitting for years, wow. and nobody bought it through the '80s, I believe, and into the '90s, um, and then recently, this bourbon, you know, it just blew Pops up. Off. And and there's old school bourbon people and new school bourbon people. Yeah. Um, and then. There's just so many distilleries now, and good good bourbon out there. Mm -hmm. There's a secondary market. Yeah, I well, mean, I mean, people don't even realize this wall back here that that you guys see every episode. That is legitimately over fifteen thousand dollars worth of liquor. Then people are, don't you dare. I mean, they don't know where we're yeah, at. Yeah, undisclosed anyway, location. No, undisclosed but, no, just just <laughs> like um the the very top. There's Blanton's, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Blanton, if if you could find it retail. Normal retail, it's anywhere from seventy to eighty dollars a bottle. Um, I've found it for sixty nine. Um, that's when I buy it. A secondary, it, and it's not that it's it's expensive mm -hmm. because it's hard to find. Yep. And it's a decent bourbon. I really like it, but it's a seventy to eighty dollar bottle. Mm -hmm. Period. Yep. Secondary market on that, I've seen it as high as three hundred dollars a bottle. I was gonna say three thirty. Yeah. It's crazy, and it's yeah. like no, it's not a three. Well, I guess like if if you can't find it in your city and you want to try it, you yeah. want to spend three hundred bucks. By all means, do it. But again, this larceny, mm -hmm. 20, 20 to $30, Yeah. so far, I'm, so I'm digging worth it. it. Yeah, so far worth it, for sure. So anyway, so getting, in, getting into the topic for today, 
Uh, so like we said earlier, we're, we want to talk with you guys and help you understand questions and, and ways to vet your agents. That way, at the end of the day, you're not getting with that agent that's just there for the money, right? Um, and to my surprise, there's a good amount of agents that are just in it for the money. Right. And and um, market shifts kind of dictate that. Yeah. Whenever whenever it's not easy to get a client or there's, there's a, um, a, a, a shift or a change in the market, a lot of agents drop out. Yep. A lot of agents get in the business. Um, they're bored. They want a career change, but they want to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can make a lot of money in real estate. But if you're, I've said I've said it in the past, you could do a thousand things right, mm-hmm. and no one will find out. The first time you do something wrong, it spreads like wildfire. Absolutely. Well, and especially you know, I've I've touched on it as well. Is this is one of the largest purchases someone's ever going to make in their lives, right? Unless you're out buying Ferraris. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, this is this is it. Exactly. And plus, exactly. if you're buying Ferraris, you're buying probably yeah. expensive homes too. All right, Oscar. So if somebody is looking for a real estate agent, first off, how do you recommend that they search? Do you recommend that they go right to Zillow, right to Redfin? I mean, you're going to find a lot of people. A lot of good agents do put their um, advertisement dollars in there. Uh, realtor.com does a pretty good job. Um and and there's a there is a difference between just a real estate agent and a realtor. Um, there's really good just real estate agents, phenomenal, and they don't want to become a realtor. Yeah. And what what that means is, um, I'm a realtor. It, I at this point I have to keep become or being a realtor. It's there's a fee every year, and there's a lot of stuff we have to go through uh, an ethics course, and and we're held to another uh, accountability. But because I use Oscar the realtor. Again, play on Oscar yep. the Grouch. I've used Oscar the Realtor for everything. Now that's all I'm going to be using. Mm-hmm. I have to be a realtor. Yeah. Because if I use the word realtor and I'm not a realtor, I could get into major trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a real, a real estate agent does all the same training, all the same uh, testing and, and licensing. A realtor belongs to a board. The board, uh, when, when it comes to a real estate agent, the commission where that that holds us accountable is for the the consumer. The commission is for the consumer. If we do something wrong, the commission comes after us. They fine us. They revoke our license. They suspend our license. Um, you can even do jail time. The commission will come after you. And that's the, and the real estate commission. The real estate commission. commission. Dora is, is the acronym. The Department of Regulatory Agencies, mm-hmm. and that and and Dora also uh, has um it, everybody uh. And uh, inspectors, hairdressers. I mean, they're they're all wow. in there. If your license is, it's usually do, through Dora. Okay. So Dora is uh, holds us accountable for the consumer. They don't care about what we do with each other mm-hmm. within the within the realms of legalities. Yeah. Um, investors as a client, they're not considered the consumer. Yeah. They're considered almost like a real estate agent because they know what they're doing. Oh yeah. So whenever there's an investor and um, you know, they're renting properties out. Mm-hmm. They can get into big trouble because they know better. Yeah, so they're invested in it. I guess one thing when you're searching through those through Google through Redfin, look for that realtor distinction. If it, it, again, there's realtors that are yeah. crappy too. But I, I'm just explaining what the difference is. So a realtor, we belong to a board. I belong to the board, uh, the Denver board, mm-hmm. um, DMAR, uh, the Denver Metro. Association. Uh, association of Realtors, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we, we go in, we pay a fee annually. We need to do an ethics course, um, what to do with the consumer, what uh, obviously more what not to do with the consumer. And uh, and we're also held accountable for each other. 
Yeah. They don't they don't want us to do unethical things with each other, mm-hmm. sign crossing stuff like that. Yeah. Um so if I have a problem with another agent, I could file a grievance. We come in, we there's a panel and hey, this guy did this. Yep. So they they govern more not accountability. Right. They yeah. more accountability, they govern us mm-hmm. and the consumer. So yeah. if I do something wrong with the consumer, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get beat up by the commission mm-hmm. and the board of realtors. Yep. And Again, you do that one thing wrong, mm-hmm. everybody's going to find out. Yeah. So, uh, being a realtor, yes, you could you could say that that's that's a very high level thing to do because I, I went. If if you become a realtor, you you took that extra step, right? I, I want to be not just known to be doing the right thing, but look, I'm a realtor. Yep. I, I have to do the right thing, and I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it comes from the heart. But you know, being a realtor just it holds you to a to another standard. But again, more I know just normal real estate agents that are not realtors. That are probably better than some realtors, but that all comes with experience and, and whatnot. Yeah. So you know, being a realtor, you could ask that. I know they 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 promote it a lot online. Yeah. Uh, ask if your agent's a realtor, and you know you can't promote being a realtor if you're not a realtor. Absolutely, absolutely. So that would be that could be it. Again, it's not going to be an end all be all. No. But that could be something that you can filter and get somebody who's held a little bit more accountable. Right. Right. Um, now, with that being said. When you start searching Google, Zillow, Redfin, again, you don't have to take the first agent that, no. that they throw at you. I, uh, in the industry, it's always three. Okay. If if I recommend a lender, here's three, mm-hmm. three lenders that I that I that I work with. Pick one. You pick one. I don't want to. I don't want to do that for you. Yeah. I will vet them for you and get the best three for you. Um, but you know, the consumer, I, the, the consumer needs options. Yeah. So when you're online. If you if you see a realtor, maybe that's part of your 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 search, your look. But always do multiple interviews unless they're recommended. And mm-hmm. I want to say about eighty five percent of my business is referral. Yep. Because if I do if I do if I do a good job, mm-hmm. you know I'm going to be referred. Yep. And and that's a that, great point. In and a lot of people don't want to do the due diligence to find a good agent. Hey, mm-hmm. if he sold my cousin, my brother, my sister, my neighbor a house, and they are ranting and raving about it, you know what? I want to use that guy. Yeah. And then if, if your personality is mesh, know that he's going to do a good job. Yeah. Ask then the other questions. You know, how do you market my property? Mm. Um, are you a well, realtor? Yeah, and, and, and that's, like I said, that's kind of what, what we want to get into a little bit is now, you're, you know, you started searching and, and you've, you've gotten it down to three different agents, right? So, you know, first question that, you know, I, I, I would suspect that a lot of people um, would ask. And even in pre- preparation for this episode, when I was looking, I... I went into the seat of somebody who was looking for a real estate agent and I typed in, what are some questions that I should ask my realtor? First one that came up is how long have you been an agent? Right. Right. Um, and I'll tell you what you guys know, I've only been an agent for a little bit over a year now, but I know that myself, I genuinely care and I'm going to put in that effort. So don't just write off agents now just because they're within the year, because you can have agents that have honestly been in, been in for 20 30 years yeah and at the end of the day they're just they just don't have it anymore yeah. you know and, they're jaded and, yep and i can't tell you how many agents even i've run into and i've spoken to because obviously while you're out you're talking oh, what do you do what do you do well i'm an agent and then as we get to talking and, and you know maybe i'll go do an open house for them or or i'll go you know go do a showing for them open a couple doors you start looking at it and you go wait a second what, what do you what do you mean you don't you don't have the information in a pamphlet for them like there's just little things that well, fall and, to the way and again i've 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 been an agent to, since 2004 mm-hmm. i actually got in the business in 2000 2001 as a lender so i've been in the uh, in the in the 
market for a very long time. There gets a point that you end up just wanting to do the important stuff. Yep. And in this industry, the small stuff matters as much as the big stuff. 100%. So a lot of those agents like you're talking about, they just want to get into the nitty gritty fast. Yep. All that small stuff doesn't matter. This is what's going to get you the house. And and, and, and it works and that's, they shine that in their, their value propositions that. But then I have recently started talking to agents like, like yourself, not necessarily age-wise or, but how long they've been in the business, but also age-wise because I want to be relevant. Yeah. What I, I have forgotten more about real estate than most, than more agents have will learn. Yeah. And, and with that, I want to remember a lot of the stuff that got me into the business that made my business valuable yep. and, and knowing what the newer agents or the younger agents are doing is valuable to me now. Mm-hmm. So yes, don't don't disregard a new agent because I know a lot of new agents. I mean, Charlie knows what what he's doing. He knows he knows real estate law and contracts like the back of his hands at this point because he took his job seriously. Mm-hmm. And now he is a whiz with social media, with um, the production, and that's where I need some knowledge. Yeah. I, I I'm always picking his brain for social media stuff. Hey, what do I do here? And even with this podcast, I'm learning as we go. And in return, if he has questions about real estate, mm-hmm. I've lost more deals in the beginning because I was trial and error. Don't do this, do that. And then I see him doing stuff. I was like, oh yeah, I need to start doing that again. You know? Right. Well, and, and the, the cool part about that, like mentioning TikTok and stuff like that is, I think now we are in a period of, of time in our society where people have the most access to real estate agents and who they are personally than ever before. Where's our stat guy? Right, yeah. How many, how many agents are in the market right now? So fifty six thousand, you said like something that. crazy yeah. like that. Well, yeah. And how many how many listings are on the market right now? Mm-hmm. I well, think they're. I think we're like at thirty five hundred. I don't yeah, know. Something Fact like that. check me. And when you start looking at it, and you actually look at the numbers, you realize, wait a second, ten only ten percent of the existing agents do ninety percent of the deals. Yep. There's a reason for that, right? It's because those agents are the ones that have been vetted, the ones that have put the time in, and actually have not only referral clients, but they market correctly. And when they do meet with their clients, they have a plan, right? So with that being said, like I said, first question you might want to ask is, how long have you been an agent? And then, honestly, guys, this is where it's going to be on you. Listen to them. What, what if they say one year? What if they say, I've been an agent for one year? So I would, I would look at them and go, okay, so, you know, what have you done in that year? How, how has this year gone for you? Have, you? have you gotten any deals? Have you, have you worked with anybody? How, you know? Start asking those kinds of questions and just get a feel for them as a person, as an agent. Again, I've said it in the in in the buyers um, series we did. Um, personality. Exactly. If, if your personality meshes, mm-hmm. okay. From there, then go with knowledge. Because yep. at the end of the day, if you hate your agent, but he's a good agent, you're going to hate the transaction. Exactly. You're just so, going to be happy. And again, with Charlie here, um, great guy. Likeable hey, guy, you. you know. I'm just saying, he's a likable. <laughs> he he, he has he has one check mark already there. He's a <laughs> likable guy. He's foots in the door. Um, then he loves doing research. So check two and three. He has association with me and other realtors, so we could easily say combined we have 20 plus years of real estate. Yep. If he has a question, if he's if he's if he's honest with his client, he says, "Look, I've been doing it for four years. I have X amount of closings under my belt." I know what I'm doing, but if for some reason something does go south, I do have some partners that we 
collaborate together that have been in the business over 20 years. Yep. And then he can present his stuff. So that that's very important because there's there are some agents that are newer that screw things up. And then and then they, they, they say, well, let me ask my managing broker. As soon as I get that going, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a nightmare <laughs> transaction. And they overthink it or they overdo things. You know, when I go into a transaction, I am always we have the same end goal. Yep. If you're on the listing side, I have a buyer. You have a seller that wants to get to the closing table. Yep. Let's, not let, let's not let ego or anything else muck this up. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to do our fiduciary responsibility for a client. Yep. But let's collaborate on this. Absolutely. And, and, but again, new agents. Hero, Arr, bulldog. Older agents from the old school, same thing. They want to bulldog your way through. Yeah. It's a little bit of a finesse. Yeah, and, and, and that'll make for a great transaction. And that's and that's ultimately the biggest part is get to know your agent personally. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. If the other agent's playing hardball, I'll take him to the deep end and drown it. That's just that's just my personality. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing is I'm gonna do what I have to do for my clients. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And again, I, I went through the whole bully era in all kinds of different yeah. markets. So I will definitely get in and gritty with you. And right. you are not going to win. That's just I'm a bulldog <laughs> when it comes to that. And then I go back to my client and you know, they don't need to know that. Yep. Hey, everything is good. I got it handled. Exactly. So Again, a full service agent, also an agent that's knowledgeable, an agent that has a, a sphere within the business, right? Um, you know, they have some financial uh, options. You know, here's a couple of of lenders. lenders. Um, when it comes to appraisers, obviously we have no no say in that anymore. Yeah. Um, inspectors, you know, here's 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 some of the vendors that I use. Yeah. And then if your house needs help, I have contractors. There you go. One of the last listings that I had, I go in and I said, look, how big do you want your buyer pool to be? Well, right now. FHA is out of the question. VA is out of the question. Cash and conventional. Yeah. Well, you want a bigger buyer pool. Let me get my guys in here. We'll get estimates. If it works for you, they'll wait to get paid at the table. Yep. They're going to do the work for you, but you just added thousands of people for your buyer pool, mm -hmm. if not millions. Yeah. And your house went from X price amount to a higher. Yep. So it has to make sense. Absolutely. So. Your agent's going to know that. Know know the market. Know where uh, to spend your money. Your agent should know that. Should know that. And, and and the reason I break it down like that is, again, expectations, right? That comes with vetting your agent, asking the questions, getting another personality. So now, if you're doing most of the question asking, yep, red flag. Yes. As an agent, I go in and I am just asking questions. Mm -hmm. How old's the roof? How is this? So I get a better knowledge of the home. Yep. And then I shut up and let them go. And then I take notes. All right. So now we we went on we went on. Google, we went on Zillow, we went on Redfin, we found our three agents that we wanted to vet. We talked to them and, you know, I kind of like the personality of two of them. So I think the next question that somebody should ask is, hey, how are you going to sell my home? And now this is, again, if you're a seller, you have the right to ask that question. What are you going to do to position my home to be in the best selling position? And that could be marketing, that could be uh, who do you use as inspector, whatever it is. But I feel like that is What's a, your game plan? Exactly, exactly. What's your game plan here? Um, I mean, I have presentations, mm -hmm. but again, 90, 85% of my business is referral business. Yep. So they know I'm capable, I'm able, and they've actually were involved when I was selling their neighbors, their brothers, their sisters, whatever house. So it's a little, it's a little different for me. If it's a Brand new client found me on Realtor.com. It's a it's a lead. I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna show them a presentation. I use professional photos. Mm -hmm. Never ever. I have a 
cool phone that will that has great cameras. <laughs> I will you'll never find me using my phone taking pictures. I hire a company that comes out that professional photographers with thousand dollar lenses that I will never spend on yeah. wide shots. I just and then, started looking at it. It, it, it gets get expensive. And and yeah. when they're not doing real estate photography, I ask them and they, they're like, well, I do weddings. Yeah. I do family portraits. So they're professional photographers. Mm -hmm. They know they have the eye of the consumer as well. This yeah. is, and but I go in there and I give them my real estate mm -hmm. as well. I said, look, I want to showcase the kitchen. Um, there's a fire pit in the back. Make sure we take a couple angles of that. So I know what I want to showcase when it comes to the description. Um, but then they, they bring their creative artistic eye and they get the shots and the angles that I would never think of. Yeah, well, and that's and that's a great, perfect point right there with the whole marketing thing is if you have an agent and you ask him that question or him or her that question, excuse me, and they say, oh, well, you know, we'll do a couple open houses. I'll, I'll put some signs out for you. We'll put it on, you know, we'll, we'll put it on Zillow, whatever it is. No, 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 don't no. What you want to hear from them is, hey. I want to know what parts of your house that you like, what parts that aren't, you know, aren't really up to speed. Give me everything because it is my job to put your house in the best light to sell, right? Ask, uh, if he's asking you questions, you know, he, he's, he's getting prepped mm -hmm. to market and sell your home. Um, I need a game plan. How long, how old's your water heater? Yep. How old's your furnace? How old's your, your roof? Mm -hmm. I'm asking all of that not because I want you to spend money. Because I, I want to know what kind of loans are available for your home. Yep, exactly. And, and if, 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 if he's just talking about, well, I'm going to just throw out some flyers and put it on the market. That was th three years ago, four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't do that. Yeah. In, in this market, you need to get to work. Mm -hmm. You need to know how you're going to market this property. Yep. Uh, professional photographer, I tell him, look, give me some information on your house. Then I start gathering stuff. And then I, I start with, um, this is probably the things that you want to fix. If not, you're going to be priced lower. And then from there, we'll segue into... Mm -hmm. You know, what do you like about your house? So I could start building the the description about your house. Yep. This is how I'm going to market your, your property. Mm. Flyers, guys, you could go to Kinko's, pay a couple hundred bucks and get some pretty nice flyers <laughs> that people are going to pick up and throw away. Yep. Allocate my money, professional photographer. Um, and I'm uh, going to boost it on on this. I'm, I'm part of Realtor.com, so it's going to be boosted there. Mm. Um, I have this other program that picks the listing up and then boosts it itself too. And, and I, I, I have three or four different real estate programs that allow me the facility to do my job better. And then, yep. you know, we have the virtual tour, we have um, the 3D Matterport, we have aerial shots. Um, so there's a big marketing budget that I do for every home. Sometimes it's a lot more than others. Yep. But it's not all about, I'm just going to throw out some flyers and put a sign in front of your house. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't, I, I'm a good realtor. I want to be a good realtor. That's it. Yep. I don't want to be a professional photographer. I don't want any of that. I have a company that does my photography, professional photography, HD, yep. and and they'll uh, they'll set up a YouTube channel, everything. Um, wow. I have a company that drops my signs off. Mm -hmm. I want my signs to be visible. I want to represent your house well. Uh, it's a yard arm mm -hmm. with a swinging sign, and then they drop it off and pick it up for me. Yep. Um, I have uh, a company that boasts it on a lot of the websites. Um, and I mean, that's just a great example. And, and again, because I don't, the only reason that we were weary of doing this topic is because of just the negative sentiment around agents, right? And a lot of, I know some people will listen and go, oh, well, Oscar, you're just listing off what you do. But guys, step back and, and listen. He just listed six to eight different things that he does for one property. All right. Like, and it's not, and I'm not saying it's just Oscar, but 
this is a perfect example of an agent that as you're talking to them, if you see that light in their eyes, if they get excited, if they start talking about it, like I have these professionals do this, those are key signs to show yeah, you. Yeah, it's not me being flashy at all. I don't, yeah. don't want to do it. I, I, I can, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to lug around a bunch of yard arms and then I'm going to show up to your house in a pickup truck because that's what I drive. Yep. And if that's what you do, that's fine. I, I'm not knocking on that. Yeah. But I want to focus on what I am good at. Exactly. And that's negotiations, yep. contracts, and, and understanding you. Mm -hmm. I want to understand what your, your needs are yep. so I could do my job better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's why I have a company that drops off my signs. I have a company that comes out and does professional photos. I have, um, I'm working on a lot of my social media yeah. um, for my business too, but mm -hmm. so I could promote your property even better. Because Absolutely. I mean, I, I, there was a statistic that, you know, the first 90% of the, of, of the consumers do the first walkthrough online. Yeah. So your online present has to be mm -hmm. on top. Yep. So again, being a realtor, realtor.com, that's what yep. people, you know, RE Colorado's our search engine mm -hmm. and the public can go in there mm -hmm. and we have apps as well. So I, I shoot out my, my website app. I shoot out the RE Colorado app and then I boost everything that I'm allowed to. Cause yep. I also have a Zillow account mm -hmm. that I boost my own stuff. Yeah. And I, and then, you know, you allocate a certain amount of dollars just to promote it even more. Exactly. And, well, and, and that comes with, with, with a cost to us, right? Yes. Exactly. And at the end of the day, mm -hmm. A lot of realtors do put in fees up front. I don't. Yeah. If I don't do my job well, and I don't do my job well, then I shouldn't get paid. And I mean, that's a, that's a perfect point into, into another thing that I want to talk about is commission. A lot of people, when they think about agents, they go, well, I'm going to ask them if, if, if they'll lower their commission for me. I, I want to see. 100%. Why know? not? Right. Something you can ask. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Um, that, that's a double-edged sword. Absolutely. Well, and again, it's the reason I say it like that is because... Again, agents are, are there for you. And unfortunately for that commission is how we get paid. Absolutely. You know and, what I mean? You know, with that said, you may be working with a client for on average from start to finish. If you could do it fast, it's going to be 30 to 45 days. Mm -hmm. So you're spending money, you're spending time, yep. and you're not going to get paid for 30 to 45 days. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have just one transaction, that, that could be brutal for you in the long run. Um, and if you have a buyer that can't get under contract, you might be working with that buyer for six months. Yep. I mean, I, I've been, and then I've whatever been. the commission is now divide it into six yeah. and then divide it into hours. And then mm -hmm. how much are you making an hour? Now, if you could do it fast, do, yes, that's when the, the lucrative part of this job, but yes. you have to be good at what you do. Exactly. But you have to have the systems in place and the, and the proper things to sell the homes. Right. With that said, mm -hmm. commission wise, um, personally. I have a heart for my clients. I've been doing this long enough. Yeah. I do charge a little less on the listing side because mm -hmm. I believe that's my client's money and I, I want them to keep as much of it. Yeah. It's still a decent amount. I'm not cutting myself to half a percent, nothing yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. But I do I do tend to be a little bit lower on the on on the listing uh, commission just because I want my consumer, my client, it was a referral. Yeah. I'm still going to do the same same work. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I'm selling a townhome or a million dollar property. I'm going to do the same work for them. Yep. And I have had a client that I did work almost a year with. It, it, was, it was a special situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, this job does get a little bit redundant at times and you're a lone wolf. And, you know, sometimes your glass well, it, tends to be a little empty at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, and, and here's some insight. I don't want to say inside information because it is public knowledge, but a lot of people don't know how commission works with real estate agents, right? So a lot of people think that they're going to go in and, and the agent's going to take 5% of your, your home sale. You're going to take your money. And it, no. 
So most of the time, what you're going to see is commission is going to be between 5% and 6%. And that 5 to 6% is split between the buyer's agent and the seller's agent, right? Correct. And what Oscar was talking about earlier is one thing that you have as a listing agent is you have the ability to forfeit some of that commission. The listing agent dictates what the buyer's agent's going to get paid mm-hmm. and the firm. Yep. And again, we have costs, right? Yep. I have my realtor fees. I have the MLS fees. We have insurance fees. Mm-hmm. We have desk fees. We have admin fees. We have uh, transaction coordinator fees. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, we're just here to make the money. We're out of here. Yep. Okay. Let's uh, let's take in consideration all what you have to pay out mm-hmm. and then your taxes. Yep. And then throw on top of that how long you've been working for a client. Again, what I was going with my story prior to this is I worked with um, this young lady. Awesome, 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 awesome person in general. She just was awesome. Um, it, I was tasked to get her a home. She wasn't qualified for a whole lot. It took us about a year. Mm-hmm. We finally got her into a home. We went to this this crazy cool program, got her exactly what she needed. Mm-hmm. And in that year, after the commission, I think I made three grand. Yep. So divide three grand into a little, <laughs> little bit over 12 months. Yep. And then the time and effort I put in, mm-hmm. I made pennies on the dollar. But you know what's more valuable than that? Seeing her walk into that. Absolutely. At closing, she was so she was so happy. Yep. She said, thank you. Now I have a place for my family, my son and my mom to go. Mm. And, and dude, I teared up. Yeah. And I felt that was worth every dollar. Exactly. Every dollar. I didn't care. I felt my glass had filled that day. Yep. Well, and, and unless, in all reality, unless somebody is, what was his name? What, what was the movie with Leah, Leah uh, DiCaprio and uh, Tom Hanks, where, where he was a con artist? Either. Oh, uh, wow. Where's Jameson when you Right, yeah, right. Well, but uh, a- anyway, if somebody is, that's why getting to know your agent, asking them questions, vetting them, asking them all this is so important because unless somebody has that amount of skill, you're going to be able to tell if they're there to get you to the closing table and then not talk to you again, or if they're going to have emotions and share those feelings with you when you buy that or sell that home. 100%. And right now, um, Again, I've had agents that don't know what they're doing online, mm-hmm. and they, I, for some reason, they're mucking up the deal, but they're pushing through, and they got this client. But the power of the internet. Yeah. A lot of agents that are not that good are the shiny object online. They're exactly. great at marketing. Yep. Great at marketing. Mm-hmm. I always said a good real estate agent, industry-wise, not consumer-wise, industry-wise, mm-hmm. is someone that has a marketing degree. Yeah, because that's that's what you needed to do mm-hmm. to survive in real estate. Oh, trust me, I, I told Jameson before I even started. I was like, the one thing I want to do is have my face on a billboard. Yeah. I don't care about anything else. I just want to pay. I had it. a buddy that made a <laughs> billboard and put it on a trailer, yep. and he would drive that trailer around town and leave it at different grocery stores. Nice. You know who you are. I'm not going to mention your name. <laughs> and he would leave it at different parking lots uh-huh. and just let it sit there that's overnight, smart. and then that's pick smart. it up and move it. that dude was a genius and he did well for himself he's still doing well for himself he's another industry but he still does real estate and he does well for himself Mm -hmm. but he's also a good agent he had a a very um, I can't stay still mentality and uh, he just got into everything but he's actually a really good agent he complimented me one day and he was like you know what you're a better agent than I am but I market better than you and it stung and it sucked because (laughs) my marketing skills aren't that great I'm a very emotional people oriented person person Mm -hmm. and i want to care for my clients i want to do the best for my clients to a fault some marketing can feel fake yeah some and Mm -hmm. and and i hate that 
I don't want to be fake. Exactly. But in this industry now with the internet and in TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram, you kind of have to be. And I'm just like, that's just not me. But I'm yeah. kicking and screaming, but heading towards that way. But at the same time, I'm doing an injustice because I'm not out there helping yeah. these people. Mm-hmm. These agents that are shiny and know what they're doing, but their real estate skills and techniques are garbage. They're helping these people and they're not getting the best deals. They're not mm-hmm. getting the proper attention. They're not getting what they deserve. And quite possibly going to get themselves put in jail. And again, I'm not honestly like I don't. I do not think that I am the best real estate agent there is. I don't. At the end of the day, there's many people that are better than me. But I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to, and they have said, "Oh yeah, they were great. They talked to us every day, and then closing came, and we haven't heard from them again." Or, "Yeah, you know, we asked them a couple questions, and they didn't really give us any information on how to when to do open houses, what we have to do." And I'm just sitting here and I'm festering and I'm going, what are you talking about? These people got the opportunity. I am guilty at one of those. Yeah. That I'm, I've been working on readily almost every day is follow-up. Yes. Just because I want, I want, I want to be vested in my next client. Yep. And then I want to be vested in my, and I forget to, hey, I'm still a realtor over here. And that's bad for my, my business. Well, not so much the consumer because it's not their fault. But because they call me yep. and I'm still the, the, I still answer the phone. I still remember who they are. Mm-hmm. I still remember the house and they, they're calling me for an insurance question or something. I want to be yeah. that guy. Well, and I, I am that guy. And that was something that blew me away with JC is when I first started, uh, I got on the team and really got into it. He, he sent out an email like, Hey everybody, go ahead and send me your pie lists. And I was like, the hell are you talking about a pie list? Why do you think I came down here? Right. Every single year, this man would go and buy pies. For his clients, not just the ones that he did this year, but the ones that he had in his spreadsheet. And guys, it people like me, um, and it, it's a genius. And again, that's how I ended up with the with with um, the fifty two eighty uh, home team, the Metro fifty two eighty home team. Um, is JC had the puzzle piece that I struggled with, mm-hmm. and how much is a pie? A pie at five to seven dollars, mm-hmm. where and and to me it's like my clients could afford a pie. I'm not going to buy them a pie. That might be an insult. Some of my clients they'll be like they're going to hit me with that mm-hmm. pie. But it's not about the pie. No, it's about the hey. You know what? I still remember you. Yep. I still care about you. And ah, here's a pie. But I just wanted to say hi. And that is and and I do that yeah. different though. I make phone calls. I'm yep. from the old school. Yeah. I pick up the phone. Hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I, I try to interact on social media with them. Yep. Um, I'll call them out of the blue. Um, it's something that I am great at what I do. Mm-hmm. I am horrible at marketing, and I've hired marketing people, and I know that sounds bad to say, but I am working on being better at that. Even after 20 well, years in the market, I am still working on being better. Well, And and, and again, that's, that's, a, that's a phenomenal point in itself is – once you become comfortable is the moment you start losing, right? Comfort kills. Exactly. So, and guys, hopefully throughout this episode, we, we've kind of done a good job of at least giving you some kind of a structure as to what you could, you know, questions that you could ask and, and just get a better understanding. So I think- Prospect buyers. Yes. That's one that, they, they, that sellers probably won't ask. And what does that mean, do prospect buyers? Well, if I have a listing, right now it's time to get to work. Yep. Two, three- uh, two, three years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The, the shift happened last year, but two, three years ago, put it on the market, it's going to sell. Yes. 24 to 48 hours, you're going to be under contract with the highest bid. Mm-hmm. Now, things have slowed down. You got to start doing other stuff. Yep. What is do prospect buyers? Well, 
I have a listing. I'm going to shoot it out to, I have a few mastermind groups. Hey guys, do you have any buyers for my listing within the industry? I have a lot of those. And then I will start promoting your, your, your property for buyers. Yep. And you know, my, my last few transactions, I've done both sides. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I prospect for buyers. Yep. Another agent's not going to bring me a buyer. Well, I'm going to go find a buyer for you. Yep. And then I have to become a transaction broker and that's a fine line to walk. If you mm -hmm. do, are you are not comfortable with that, don't do it. It and can get you a transaction lot. broker basically means that you can represent the seller and the buyer on the same transaction, but you don't have a fiduciary obligation to either party. This you is are, how I explain it. Yeah, go for it. When you have agency on either side, you're like a coach. Mm -hmm. You're coaching your client and that's all. Your 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 fiduciary is to the the seller or to the buyer. Yep. You are looking at their best interests. Mm -hmm. So you're like their coach. Yep. When you become a transaction broker, mm -hmm. you're more like a referee. You have to be neutral. And yep. that is hard to do because why? You have knowledge on both sides. Mm -hmm. Knowledge that's going to get you in trouble if you don't do the right thing. Yep. You have to keep what you said with your buyer and then go talk to the seller and keep what you did with the seller and let them decide within each other. And if you do a good job, you could still give them some opinions and, and without giving up anything that you talk to the other party. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay neutral and you have to look after their both best in interests. Yep. I mean, you don't have a fiduciary, but you, you have to look at, at, the, at the bigger picture because I want to make sure that it's a win-win. Exactly. But that's just it. If I'm a buyer's agent, you know what? My responsibility is to my buyer, but I want to make it a win all around because exactly. I don't I don't I don't want that closing table to be ugly. Yes. At the end of the day I want to win mm -hmm. and I want my buyer to win, so that's always in the back of my mind. Yep. But I'm not going to muck things up. Exactly. So that kind of eases how I become a transaction broker. Okay. So it's it's like a coach. You got to yeah. coach them through or a referee. You you got to like, "No, you can't do that. No, you can't do this, mm -hmm. but this is how we're going to move forward." So that's what a transaction brokerage is. Yeah. So does your agent prospects for buyers? How do you prospect for buyers? You know, what kind of groups is, are they in? Yep. What kind of marketing dollar do they have? Or what do they do to, to get buyers? Um, what does their CRM looks like? You know, these are things that the consumer shouldn't busy themselves with. But, but they should th know about it. But they should know about it. All right. So now I think, uh, and we might actually, we might be able to do it this time. Jameson's not here. So I, I think... We've given them a good, good, some good parameters. So let's give our one rock takeaway for today's episode. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to keep it concise as I always try to, but my one rock takeaway for today's episode would be get to know the agent before you decide to sign a contract with them. Can I throw something else real quick go before you go? go for it? Yeah, go for it. Are they a full-time agent? Perfect. Yes. Are you doing this for a living? Yes. Are you doing this for a living? And that- That matters. Yes. Because that shows how much they care, honestly, um, and how much effort they'll put in. But yes, my one rock takeaway for today would be get to know the agent before you sign the contract. My rock takeaway is vet three. If you can, more. But don't waste their time. You know, if you legit... Don't just do, take the first one. Don't just take the first one or the shiny one. Mm -hmm. I think that's my rock takeaway. Don't, don't go for the shiny object. If he's a great agent, he's shiny and he'll know, mm -hmm. but that's why I do at least three. Because the shiny one may not be the best one. Yep. You want the knowledgeable one. And there's a lot of great real estate agents that are a bit introverted. Yeah. I know too. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, that's just not me. I'm like, you know contracts better than the managing broker of this company. Oh, my God. And they don't do a lot of business because they're not an extroverted agent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So do your homework. 
and don't just go for the shiny object. Awesome, awesome. And so, that's in this market, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely in this market, especially in this market. Um, so with that being said, hopefully we gave you guys a little bit of extra information that you didn't have before, or at least made you feel a little bit more comfortable when approaching finding a real estate agent. Um, so now it's what I what I like to call the the public the public part of of it, where everybody tunes in and they go in the YouTube channel and they go, oh, bourbon, bourbon, cool. Dying. So, <laughs> Maybe we, just do a, we just do a quick 15-minute bourbon section. Right? I mean, that might just work better. <laughs> we do real estate, but we're drinking bourbon. Yeah, that, right? Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to the bourbon review. And uh, I honestly, I'm I'm excited to do this one. I, right. I, I, I didn't... I I thought, hey, let's do a mainstream bourbon, and I'm going to be like, oh, okay, it was all right. You know, it was good. Um, but with that being said, Straight up, from the moment that I poured this out, you got a sweet flavor from it. You, you smell, taste. Um, it's definitely smooth. I can tell the difference with the wheat, for sure, because it, it doesn't it doesn't punch you. Like I said, it, it it fills your mouth with the flavor. You get the sweetness on the back end, but it, it's not something that you're gonna take a sip of and go, eh, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like really really get punched. Now, with that being said, if you're new to bourbon, this will still give you a little bit of a kick, but it's not going to be anything like the ones that you've seen us do in the past. Um, so, you know, for the sake of it, because because of the bourbons that we do drink, you know, last week I I, I gave, what was it the was it Horse Soldier last week? No, yeah, no, 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 no it was a week before. Fluttered. Yeah, so the with the Horse Soldier, I was a little bit harsh on it. So was I. I yeah. wanted to like that one. I did too. So did much. Too. But again, another another example of it does price doesn't matter, right? That was like a fifty dollar bottle or mm -hmm. something like that, right? So. In all reality, I'm going to put this one, I, I'm going to give this one four rocks. Four rocks? Four, four rocks. Um, only because for the price, for, for the flavor that you get out of it, for the drinkability, for people just all around, I, I think this is a solid four for me because everybody can drink it, everyone can enjoy it, everybody can drink it and find something that they like from it. So a solid four for me. Nice. And I was kind of excited because I, I said, you know what, uh, we should, you, you said we should bring something in that's readily available, something not high end and expensive. I said, uh, I think I might have the one and, um, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool that, that you like it. Uh, personally, my go-to that I always have at home is also pretty easy to find and, and reasonably priced. And that's Elijah Craig. Yep. Elijah Craig, small batches. I love that stuff. Larceny is there with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, like you said, from the moment you open it, the notes, the the nose is great. The notes are are there. It's not bam in your face. Uh, high alcohol. This is a technical bourbon. No, open it up, drink it. You know what? And at the end of the day, bourbon, you do what you want with it. Yeah. It holds itself well. If you want to mix it, mix it. I don't I don't like mixing my bourbon. I would this. I think this would go really well with an old fashioned. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I would. I would. I'd make an old fashioned. Absolutely, absolutely out of this yeah, one. That, I mean, um, the sweetness would heighten the. Flavor. I definitely would not put this in Coke. That's no. what Jack Daniels is for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, me, I, I'm 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 putting in the total, the total package of this bourbon. Mm -hmm. It is a good tasting bourbon. It's. It's solid in the proofing. 92 is pretty much just standard unless you're going with the high-end stuff. That's 100 plus and cost-effective and readily available. I think those are all major factors with this bourbon that makes it a little bit step higher than what Charlie goes, for me at least. Um, 
I like the high end stuff. I like I like what I like. But if I'm traveling, I'm at the hotel and I was like, you know what? I want some bourbon to sip That's here. That's a great point. I'm gonna pick up some larceny and I'm just gonna drink it. You know, have some sips and uh, enjoy myself while we're doing conference or yeah. Who who am I kidding? Well, we're gambling in Vegas. I don't care. <laughs> All right, I'm so not gonna well, go buy an expensive barrel. So I, if we if we could do halves, I would do a half. I would give it a solid three or a two and a half, just because okay. price for the bang for your buck. I think this bourbon is yes. is is great bourbon for mm -hmm. twenty to thirty dollars. I uh, I dare you to find something better than this for for the price. Um, there is a few. I, I know a rye that that's up there in Riddle. I think it's called Riddle House. Is okay. It's a hundred proof. And you could also find that for like twenty dollars. Nice. So there's a few of them out there, but this is one of them. Okay. I really enjoy Larceny for for what it is. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. Remember, you can uh, get in contact with us. We have the our information, uh, our contact in the description. But you can email us at r e s o t r at themilehighperspective.com. Um, and we also have a Google Voice phone number that you can contact us at. And I'll go ahead and throw it up on the screen for you right now. Uh, but again, guys, thank you so much for, for coming and being with us on this episode. I'm excited that I'm kind of impressed that you you remembered the acronym. Uh, I, yes. <laughs> I was like, wow, I haven't. I haven't yet. I, I had one. I had one that I could give, but you know. So everybody, thank you. It's been an awesome episode. We'll see you again next week. Subscribe, subscribe. like, and drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. Yes. Catch everybody later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for a weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel.